Okay, I'm gonna put my pizza down. Okay. So we can stop picking up horrible mouth sounds on the <laughs> mic. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming rom-coms and teen cinema. I am your co-host and the reason for our unexpected hiatus, Martha Sullivan, library manager and YA lit enjoyer, and I am here as always with my co-host. Um, I am Maren Higman, adult services librarian and rom-com and romance novel enthusiast. And I would like to apologize for the unexpected break we took. I'm in the process of moving, and we didn't have internet for a while. So there was there was a week in there where I had no way to watch this movie and no way to record. So <laughs> that is what happened there. Well, I'm glad that that is no longer that that uh, internet has been restored to your life. Um, yes, me too. <laughs> uh, so we are here today to talk about the 2022 Amazon Prime original, I Want You Back. Uh, this debuted on February 11th of this year, and we will be going into it in depth. So if you'd like to watch this movie unspoiled, please give us a pause right now, head over to Amazon Prime, and uh, you know, spend the next 90 or so minutes watching that we will be here when you come back. So I Want You Back is a rom-com uh, directed by Jason Orley and written by Isaac Aptaker and Elizabeth Berger. It stars Charlie Day as Peter, Jenny Slate as Emma, Scott Eastwood as Noah, Gina Rodriguez as Anne, Manny Jacinto as Logan, Clark Bacco as Ginny, Luke David Bloom as Trevor, and then a whole bunch of other people. Oh, and Pete Davidson, weirdly. Oh, yeah! We see a lot of Pete Davidson cameos in these movies. Pete Davidson just likes to to pop in, you know, leave Staten Island every once in a while, and just pop in and say hello. I respect that. Me too. So I want you... I want you back as the story of Peter and Emma, played by Charlie Day and Jenny Slate, respectively, who are both who both find themselves um, unexpectedly dumped by their significant others. Uh, Peter is broken up with by his uh, girlfriend of six years, Anne, who tells him that she feels that they are stuck in a rut and that she has bigger life dreams than what he is apparently capable or desirous of giving her. Uh, Emma and Noah break up because Noah has met someone. <laughs> Noah has met Ginny, uh, the uh, hel- healthy pie owner, healthy pie shop owner. <laughs> um, while they are out, or Peter and Emma run into each other because they both work in the same uh, building in different companies. Uh, they both are crying in the stairwell um, where they bump into each other, talk about what happened, and decide, for some reason, after a night of heavy drinking, that they are both going to murder on a train this situation and get their uh, significant other, their get their exes to break up with their new relationships so that they can get back together. 
Peter is going to do this by making friends with Noah and breaking Noah up with his new girlfriend, Ginny. And Emma is going to do this by seducing Logan, who is Anna's new uh, flame. He is the theater teacher at the middle school that Anna teaches English at. What follows is about 90 minutes of rom-com shenanigans (laughs) as all of this is kind of happening. Um, Emma and Peter are getting to know each other even better. And then the end result is that Noah proposes to Ginny. Anna breaks up with Logan, gets back together with Peter, leaves Emma kind of in the lurch. Uh, Peter also kind of leaves Emma in the lurch because he's like, I can't let Anna know that you and I know each other because that would blow a hole in this whole operation. Uh, The climactic scene of this movie takes place at Ginny and Noah's wedding where they all four run into each other. Emma Emma comes clean about everything um, and the healing can begin. (laughs) And then the last scene is on an airplane, is the airplane back from the wedding where uh, Emma and Peter are um, across the aisle from each other. The airplane hits turbulence, releasing the oxygen masks, which is important because it fulfills a metaphor that Emma uses earlier in the movie to describe your romantic part, your perfect partner as the person who puts your mask on before they put theirs on, which Peter does for Emma. We end the movie with them gazing at each other, grinning across the aisle. Had you seen this movie before? Uh, it is a it is a fairly new movie. It just came out. Um, so I had not. This was my first time seeing it. Okay. What did you think? So I think there's half a good movie in here. And those are often the most frustrating <laughs> of a rom-coms. <laughs> um... I, I think that this movie goes too hard out of its way to make um, Anne and Noah not villains. Um, and I think while it has a good impulse to humanize them, it because it spends so much time investing in their arc, it like loses the momentum of the growth of the relationship between Peter and Emma. Like it strains the focus of the movie. Um, and I think that this movie needed to seriously cut back on all the scenes, especially Emma's scenes with Logan and being in the school play. Um, it just was excessive. Um, I think that it actually, um, yeah, it just takes away from, like, that's all time that it could have been spent building Emma and Peter's relationship. Um, and even though, like, obviously the impetus for them bonding is this, this plot they have concocted together, like, I think, I think that the movie didn't let go of the plot soon, or the, the machinations soon enough. Um, and... So it was a little, there was not, like, enough emotional investment when they did end up getting together in the end. Which is a shame because, like, the scenes where Charlie Day and Jenny Slate are allowed to be in, you know, where it is just the two of them and they are interacting are great. They're very very cute. I'm going to disagree with you just slightly. I don't think you're totally wrong, but I do think that the purpose of getting as much of Noah and Anna with Logan and Jenny 
is because I the, the movie very much wants us to understand that what Emma and Peter is doing is unhinged. <laughs> and, like, the movie doesn't think it's cute that what 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 they're doing um and i think part of how we get to that is by showing that like noah and anna are essentially good people that are just trying to live their lives and then we have peter and emma who are making truly terrible life decisions (laughs) well and i guess Um, yeah sorry go ahead all of that said i do think there was too much of it like there are whole sequences that i think you can just cut and not have to deal with it. Yeah, especially like I don't all- think we needed the threesome scene. I really don't think we needed Pete Davidson's scene. Nope. Yeah, both those could be cut. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, that whole they, they went on. They went on for so long. It was so long. Like that. Those. Yeah, the threesome scene just should not be there. The. I actually like the start of the scene that leads to the Pete Davidson. Like, I like, I I like that. Like, oh yeah, they're bonding a little. They're being friends. Like, I think you need some of that. But yeah, they just took it way too far. Um, yeah, I think you could cut all the parts where they're at the house and jumping in the pool. Like, that was so unnecessary. Yeah, and I think you can, I think you can start the threesome scene. But I, I think you can end it much sooner. Yes. Um. Yeah, and I, I don't think you needed the scene of, um, like all of the musical scenes. There was like one too many scenes of these kids at this middle school putting on Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. Which basically serves. Again, I can see the purpose of it. Like, um, Emma develops a relationship with one of the middle schoolers just because he's kind of a tr- he's kind of a delinquent, and um, you know, through that, kind of settles on what path she wants her life to take. And I really liked her engagement with the with the kid, even though, again, that's unhinged. <laughs> Yeah, I think that her building um, the friendship with the kid worked. I think just all the scenes we have of her helping out with the practice, like, could have been condensed so hard. Um, I fully fast-forwarded through the scene where she sings. Oh, I had to just like, hide. Nope. Yeah, I had to nope. hide under. Yeah, I also noped out of that. I, like, hid under a pillow. Or maybe my friend's dog. I watched this with my friend and her dog. And, yeah, that might have been the part at which I clutched the dog and was like, who was a big dog, and was like, hello, Lucy, I don't want to be watching this right now. I will be giving you cuddles. Well, and the thing was, I have a very low tolerance for awkward humor. Same. And this movie tripped a lot of that for me. And it didn't um, have to. Like, that's also what's part of it. Is like, I, I see what you're saying about, like, the movie wants to make its point of view clear that, like, it knows what uh, Emma and Peter are doing is wrong. But I think they go too far. And I don't think it has to be so cringy. Oh, no, I agree. I just, I think there's... It was one of those things where I was like, I get what you're doing. Doesn't mean I like watching it. Yeah. Yeah. I did feel. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. And it's just like, 
you could cut some of those really awkward tough scenes and pad the movie instead with like us seeing Peter and Emma bond over things other than this plot. Like, because like the first parts of the karaoke scene where they're like talking about Con Air and like, those are all so charming and I want more of that. And the two of them are so cute together. Like, I truly was not sure what their chemistry was going to be like because I don't associate Charlie Day as being, like, a romantic lead. He was great. He was great. Their chemistry was great. And I think this movie just didn't trust it. And so instead of trusting, like, trusting that and, like, putting the thrust into the, of the movie into their burgeoning relationship like it just chose to stick with the the gimmick um which i think is too bad like i I think it's a poor movie for it because all the scenes where it is just peter and emma are great and if we had twice as much of that and half as much of the stupid pete davidson scene although he is actually pretty funny um but like that whole wackiness and the middle school play like This would be such a stronger movie. One of the thoughts that I had while watching it was, I wish that rom-coms relied less heavily on wacky shenanigans. And I get it. Like, Jenny Slate and Charlie Day are both very funny people. But I, I completely agree with you. The strongest parts of this movie are when they are allowed to be, like, sincere with each other. And not even, not even like, dour, serious face all the time. Like, they laugh and are goofy around each other. But when the movie focuses on that rather than the, like, silly hijinks, I, I was much more engaged. And it is one of my least favorite kind of modes for romantic comedies are the, like, this is cute because it's in a movie, but if it was in real life, like we would be calling the police kind of activities. <laughs> and I just, I, I enjoy and I miss the earnest rom-com. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I, I think on some level, yeah, what's particularly frustrating about this movie is there are those earnest moments in it. And then it just like goes for the cringe humor and it goes for the tropes instead of like sure have this set up i feel like you know part of the genre is like you've got to have a, a a high concept wacky setup like that's fine but like you don't have to approach that with this type of I don't know, Zoolander-esque humor. Um, I mean, if you think about it, like, You've Got Mail, one of the highest concept rom-coms, but, like, the moments of humor are are very grounded. Um, and so even with, you know, it balances even this, like, very con- high concept story with yeah humor like this feels like a a brat pack 
almost or sorry what's the the group of like the wedding crashers people what are where does their deal what are they called they have a name like the brat pack it's not the brat pack frat pack the frat pack are they the frat pack? i don't know <laughs> i'm sorry no that's I okay I know the people for whom you are referring to. Okay, I was right. The frat pack. Yeah, it feels like they they added like some doses of frat pack into this that didn't need to be there. It's like why why does there need to be a threesome scene? Oh, because like hoo 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 hoo. Like that's that's how we're gonna get this awkward, cringy humor. You know, like yeah, yeah. I will say. I thought that the final sequence at the wedding was perfect. <laughs> Basically, once Logan is like, hey, Emma, Anna, Anna broke up with me, so why can't I be your date to the wedding? Like, from then to the end, I was fully in. I thought it ended. Um, I thought that the whole ending was perfect. Oh, yeah. No, I think it works. I think it works because it pumps the brakes on like, oh yeah, they're just gonna hang around and, uh, you know, go to a nightclub with this guy and she's gonna go to all these middle school musical rehearsals because that's not weird at all. Like, yeah, once it kind of leaves that. And lets all of the characters be sincere. Yeah. Like, Logan is kind of goofy, like a little, like overly dramatic, because that's the role that he's serving in this story. But once, like, once he and Anna are not together anymore after the aborted threesome, <laughs> it's like he gets to be a little bit more of a person. And we yes. all get to remember that, oh, Manny Jacinto is a great actor. Yes. Yeah, it's almost like they were like, we have Manny Jacinto, and so we kind of need him to do the Jason Mendoza thing. Even though... Which, I would, I would straight watch Manny Jacinto as, like, the lead in a romantic comedy. Like, oh, yeah. I watch that instantaneously. Absolutely. Um, I thought all of the acting, all of the cast was great. Yeah. Yeah, the cat. I mean, I think this is really like the issues of this film stem from its script. Um, absolutely. Do you watch? Do you watch Letter Kenny? I don't, but I've heard great okay. things about it. Well, and the actress who plays Ginny is on it, and I spent oh. the whole movie going, "Where have I seen her before?" Oh, yeah, I've heard great things. Yeah, it's, I would say the first six seasons are perfect television. Okay. It falls off a little bit after that, but I've heard it is, it is course correcting in the newest season. I just haven't watched it yet. Um, but yeah, those first like five or six seasons, incredible. Okay. Where is it accessible by streaming? Hulu. Hulu. It's on Hulu. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, are you a um like a red green show or a corner gas? Oh, person? We, there was a lot of red green in my household growing up. A lot. It it is less innocent than that, I guess, okay. but same kind of like backwoodsy flavor. Aww. And yes, um, Clark. 
Clark. The actress who plays Ginny, whose name I'm about to remember. Clark Bacco plays a character named Rosie who loves dogs. Aww. A lot of dogs in Letterkenny. Aww. I'm pro a show that has a lot of dogs. <laughs> um, I enjoyed... Uh, I enjoyed Peter's, like, fitness journey. <laughs> that feels like... That feels like a um, a story beat that comes up a lot in this kind of movie. Like, using the gym as a information gathering space. Mm-hmm. Am I making that up? Well, I'm trying to think of what that other... Felt like a, that felt like a plot beat I'd seen before. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what other... Nothing is coming to my mind instantly of, like, another show. Um... Doing something with. Well, and I do feel I do feel like I've seen it or read about it where like somebody who is interested in the fitness person romantically will sign up to be like their fitness client. Mm -hmm. That I have definitely seen before where it's like, I want to date you. Help me help me learn how to bench press. All I can think about is that I think it's in the pilot of the West Wing where we the first time we see CJ, she is on a treadmill and she's mm-hmm. trying to chat up the guy on the treadmill next to her. Uh, and then he tells her that she she's trying to like flirt with him and he's like, your beeper's going off. And she looks at it. She looks at the beeper and falls off the treadmill. <laughs> Iconic. Yeah, that is. I that's... like. I, I I appreciate that our tendency to bring up the West Wing has crossed over from Love Ya in or from um. Did you do your homework into Love Ya? <laughs> yeah, my encyclopedic knowledge of the West Wing has to come in handy in some facets of my life. Uh, I very much enjoyed the bit after everything has kind of fallen apart where Emma runs into Noah at breakfast and she's like, I'm sorry for these crazy things I did. And he's like, I like, we, why? Basically he's like, why? We weren't a great fit and you never really seemed to like me very much. (laughs) I, I appreciated that very honest conversation when she was like, I just, I didn't want to be like, I wanted to be done. I didn't want to be alone. And I like how she also acknowledges that the crazy, crazy things they did were still more attractive than dating. (laughs) Yeah, I did enjoy that conversation. And I think that. I don't know. I think that was a nice contrast to all the dynamics between peter and am were just so exhausting um and so i think it was nice for yeah because that was part of it too is i feel like yeah peter and Anne's and i i i think they were trying to show the contrast of like um you know emma and noah hadn't dated for that long like i think just a year 18 um, months 18 months okay so they hadn't dated for that long whether it's like Peter and Anne had been together for a substantial time. 
Um, but yeah, all the like back and like the in the the last third of the movie, all the stuff with like Peter and Anne getting back together and all of Anne's like I just feel stuck and blah. Um just I felt did, exa- I did app- exhausting. Yeah, I did appreciate the contrast between the length of relationship, like the length of time of the relationship. I appreciated that the movie was like, you can be with somebody for six years and it can end and that's okay. <clears throat> like, I I feel like there is an attitude sometimes for people who have been in very long-term relationships where it's like, well, at a certain point, I've invested so much time and energy into this relationship that if it ends, like... I am a failure of some kind and I think sometimes relationships just end and that's okay. And so I, I liked that we had, that we were dealing with two different relationships from two different, like at two different scopes. Cause both, I mean, at the end of the day, they're both about how sometimes like sometimes relationships are not a good fit and sometimes people grow apart and that's okay. And it's healthy and it's good. And it's healthy to let those things go. Yeah. I think it just, it spent so much time with like the dynamics with Anne and Peter that I don't know. I just felt like that was time we could be spending seeing more of Peter and Emma and I think that... Yeah, but, I mean, at the end of the day, the movie also kind of has to justify why these four people are not, like, the the movie has to give you a compelling reason for them to be broken up. And I, I, because of what I just said about how, like, the longer a relationship is, the more it feels like, well, this is the one that I'm going to be in for the rest of my life. I wonder if the movie felt like it had to do more work to tell us the audience, like even though they've been together for six years, um, it is okay for both of them that they are not together anymore. Yeah, that's true. I guess it just also like, it spent so much time with that, that I also was like, okay, well maybe you aren't ready to move on with Emma. Maybe you need to do some, some, uh, take, take some time there, buddy. Um, and it just kind of flash forward. Well, I guess not even flash forwarded through that because it was like, uh, okay, he and Anne are back together. Oh, okay, now they're suddenly not. Um, oh, I mean, he definitely did. Like the the time scale that rom coms operate on is not a human time scale. <laughs> no, no, yeah. And I did appreciate. I actually one of the plot lines I liked the most um, was kind of his growth of seeing that. You know, he wants to run his own um, assisted living center and, like, you know, how much he enjoys working with older folks. Like, I really liked that. Um, And so I get, like, why they wanted to tie, like, him realizing that Anne didn't believe in that vision um into that growth but i don't know it just by the end it was just so exhausting and i was just like oh well and i think part of that is just because the pacing of the whole movie is kind of weird right like i think that's a i think that's a symptom rather than a 
I think if you if you ironed out the the shenanigans sequences earlier in the movie, we would have been less exhausted as an audience by the time we got to the end. That's a good point. Yeah, because it it just I think you're right. It's just a symptom of like how much this movie balanced in favor of the shenanigans and in favor of like you know giving Noah and Anne like fully fleshed out characters like to the detriment of building See, Peter yeah. and Emma's relationship. I again, I would lose the hijinks before I would lose the character development for Anna and Noah. I liked that we got to have them be fully developed people. I don't think this movie works as well if either of them if I as an audience member at any point can go, "Oh, well, they deserve what is happening. Mm. Like, I, I think that on some level you also have to be, like, you have to sympathize with what they are going through for the, like, the ending of the movie where they are all in new relationships to be as satisfying. Yeah, I think you can just do that with less time. Like, I think it just spent so much time working through their character but yeah i totally agree that like the hijinks need to go first and just i could do without all the little shuffle horror stuff in the pete davidson scene like that could just be gone that's fine um but yeah i just think yeah i guess at the end of the day like you said it's so uneven and I just wish they had invested more time in the parts of the, this movie that, that really work, which is just Jenny Slate and Charlie Day getting to bounce off each other. Yeah, I mean, I, and I guess the, the big thing that it ultimately comes back to is that if we don't have, if we don't have the material about Anna and Noah, then we kind of don't have a movie. <laughs> because while I would totally watch a movie that is just... Um, Jenny Slate and Charlie Day meet and fall in love and are cute. That's not really what this movie is. Yeah, I mean, I just think, um, I, I just think it's you spend so much time. Like, I think you can have this plot, but again, instead of having, like, the Pete Davidson part of the night going out scene or the, like, full threesome scene, like, you could trim some of those to have more, like, montages of peter and emma hanging out like i think it's just for so, sure i think for it's sure. just so tilted in the favor of the hijinks and the plot um i think you can still have the same overarching plot and i i think this is also a problem of and i mean you kind of saying like yeah it's sometimes wrong you know it is a it is a symptom of the genre to have these like really over the top hijinks and i think part of the problem with it is translating because romance is a genre is so interior that i think sometimes when it gets put on film like if you if you're doing this in a written form you can express all that interiority directly but that's way harder to do in film and so i think like rom-coms like oftentimes take the route of showing the hijinks rather than trying to invest in the interiority. Yeah. And I think that that's easier and it's easier to read the humor in that. Mm -hmm. Although if you have, if you have a movie that you do want to take the time 
to explore that interiority. You can't pick a better actress than Jenny Slate. Right. Girl's got a face made for it. Right? And I think that's part of what, and here I'm thinking specifically of, like, what is so magic about To All the Boys I've Loved Before, especially the first one, is that, like, because Lana Condor is such a good actress, they are able, and I think it, if I'm remembering correctly, that one uses a lot of voiceovers, but they really get into that interiority through that combination of structuring it around voiceovers and, like, just so many close-ups of her face, just so much, like, reacting time. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously this is a very different tone, but, you know, even thinking about, like, because I feel like there's been a bur- burgeoning genre of, like, rom-com books, um, and I'm going to recommend one of them at the end of this. Like, it is a... <laughs> It is, there is kind of this uh, sort of emerging subgenre of romance of, like, books that, like, the romantic plot is maybe a little less emphasized and, like, there's there's good deals of, you know, dashes of comedy. Think your books that have illustrated covers on them that are popping up everywhere in trade paperback. Um, but I think part of what makes those books so successful is you can, you, they kind of get both. You get to have all the wacky hijinks, but you also get to have all the interiority. Um, and I think, and I unfortunately I don't think we're going to be able to talk about the hating game, because it is a video-on-demand movie only, but um, the hating game is a is a movie that recently came out based on a book, by based on one of these books, um, these rom-com books and I think it, it works so well as a movie because you know the book is written in first person and so it understands that it has to spend a lot of time um just having the characters react to stuff and it still has the wacky hijinks there's like a whole paintball sequence like paintball sequence shenanigans are involved um well how much does it cost to rent um how much is it well I just bought it um because it was one of those, I was like, I know I'm going to rent this enough times. So I think, <laughs> I think I bought it for like $12. Um, uh, on, I think I just bought it on iTunes. Um, let's see. This is very good podcasting. What's happening right now? <laughs> My point is only if it's like a $5 rental, I'll I'll watch that. Ooh, it might, although Hulu is always weird, because sometimes things say they're on Hulu, but they're not really on Hulu. Um, But it is saying it's on, it somehow got added to Hulu recently, so... You said it's called The Hating Game? Yeah. Oh, I can watch it on Hulu. Oh! It, that must have it's just... It's got Lucy happened. Hale? Yeah, it, that must have just Lucy happened. Lucy Hale, Corbin Burns. <gasps> yes. Well, that's exciting. It is. Okay. All right. Well, um, adding it to my stuff. Uh, yeah. Cause yeah, I think I, I would hold that movie up against this movie. And I, I think what the hating game understands is like, it invests in both. It invests in the hijinks and it invests in the interiority of the characters um mm-hmm. the hijinks are definitely less gratuitous it's about feuding <laughs> office mates so think more you know um well actually one really clever thing that 
the hating game does is it shows a lot of the hijinks through a montage. Like there is literally a montage of hijinks. Um, and so we kind of get all, well, not all the hijinks, but we get a lot of the hijinks like out of the way quickly. And that gives us time to just like spend with these characters investing in their relationship. So maybe I just wanted this movie to be more like the hating game. Let's be honest. <laughs> I I think if I had not just watched the hating game, I would be less critical. Um, and, and I think part of why I'm so frustrated this movie is that there are such good parts of it. And I just want, like, it's just so uneven and I just want it to be like, it's so easy to make, like to see where it could be more successful. Yeah, I did think that it had a lot of really great, like, background gags. Like, the, the running gag of um, Emma's roommates. The oh, so good. horny law students. was fantastic. <laughs> so good. And that was, like, a so, great like, way to combine that hijinks comedy with also, like, the apartment also represented her character growth. Like, that was such a great, like, they turned this gag into... An actual character beat. Yes. Sorry, I interrupted you. Was there another gag you were going to mention? Oh, nope. Um, just I thought that that really showed that the movie understood how to do humor, not just in like the big, um, not just in like the big ways. Like it, it did have some very smart, like humorous things happening around it which you know just to reiterate made it that much more frustrating when it was like oh we didn't have to rely on on this like over the top gag exactly we did Um, not have to watch anyone jump off a balcony into a pool into a hot tub (laughs) oh a hot tub that's right oh my god not even a pool jesus christ um, that was the only, that part, and when they found out that the girls they went home with were in oh. high school, were the only two worthwhile moments of that sequence. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, as soon as, as soon as Peter starts realizing what's happening, Marin, I was laughing so hard I was crying. <laughs> See, and I feel like for me that, that when we got to that moment, I was like, hide under dog, dog come here, hide. <laughs> Uh. Yeah, I I thought that was incredible. <laughs> and when the dad comes home and he's like, again? <laughs> okay, that, I laughed very hard. <laughs> I died. <laughs> yeah, that, that part was very funny. But, yeah. Yeah, I think this is half a good movie. So far as to say it's two-thirds of a good movie. Okay. I don't know if I could go further than that. Okay. But I, I would give it two-thirds. Okay, so we're disagreeing over, was it 16%? Yes. Okay, that seems fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being 16% harsher. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on I Want You Back? Um... Put Manny Jacinto more things. For real. 
all of these people. Like, I would watch every single one of these actors in another romantic comedy of some flavor. Absolutely. Or a drama or just, like, anything. I love them all. Absolutely. Martha, do you have any final Uh, thoughts? Um, I admit I was not... I had concerns about how much I was going to enjoy this movie, and I did end up liking it more than I expected to. Oh, good. Good. I had to watch it in a couple of sittings, but that was more due to circumstance rather than, like, feeling like I needed to, um, take a break. (laughs) Um, so that is going to do it for this. For our next movie, we are going to be watching the Disney Plus original adaptation, Better Nate Than Ever. This is an adaptation of a middle grade novel by the same name, and it is directed by Tim Fetterly, who wrote the book that it is adapted from. Uh, He also wrote the adapted screenplay, so I have very high hopes for this one. Woo! Um... If you are looking for additional content before our next episode, you should check out my you should check out our other show that updates on the same feed as this one called Did You Do Your Homework that I record with Marin's husband Pete. Uh, that also went on an unintentional hiatus due to not having control of my life. Um, but we're back next week. Woo! So I hope you give us a listen then. Uh, you can follow me individually at all the places at Magical Martha. I can be found mostly on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Marin, where can people follow you? Yeah, folks can follow me at a underscore star underscore danced at Twitter, where I mostly tweet about romance novels. And you can follow the show on all the places at DYDYH Podcast. As I said, we do share feeds uh with my other show i am too lazy to want to set up a second channel so you know blame blame my life for that one (laughs) before we sign off i have forgotten a whole segment of this show marin what would you what would you recommend to people after watching this movie (laughs) oh yes uh i would recommend a uh, aforementioned uh, illustrated cover rom-com book uh, called The Worst Best Man by Mia Sosa. Um, it is about a, a wedding planner, Carolina, uh, who, um, also known as Lena, uh, who was left at the altar. Um, fast forward several years, and she ends up having to work with her ex-fiance's brother. Um, and, uh, turns out, uh, it's a little bit of an enemies to lover situation, because, you know, obviously there's some history there, but, uh, it turns out she, uh, uh, f- can find love again, uh, with, um, yeah, with her ex-fiance's brother. I'm doing a bad job selling this book, but it's a great book, <laughs> and, uh, I, I thought of it while watching this movie also, because it's got a lot of, like, ex- shenanigans although uh it is very clear lena does not want her ex back but um i think it's a it's a really funny um and there's also a lot of shenanigans um and hijinks so it uh reminded me uh 
this book uh the the movie reminded me of this book there we go complete sentence words uh martha what would you recommend so my prevailing thought while watching this movie was oh this is the romantic comedy version of strangers on a train so i am (laughs) recommending the alfred hitchcock thriller strangers on a train where two strangers meet on a train and agree to commit murder uh for each other um on the theory that if they are killing someone they have no connection to no one will be able to find them um yeah i i I believe that i want you back is the rom-com version of this movie so (laughs) i i'm uh did not have we have an alfred hitchcock recommendation on my bingo card but sure listen 2022 no holds barred unpredictable anything can happen (laughs) uh we have already done the plugs i will leave it up to pete about whether he wants to try and reshuffle these sound clips if i was him i would leave my shame in in all of its recorded version glory um but we will see you all back in a couple of weeks with our next film uh, thank you, Marin, so much for uh, bringing this to the table. And listeners, just remember that we love you. Ooh, I got out of that one. <laughs> Woo, we did it! I was, I was starting to feel that I was... <laughs> Starting to feel I was digging myself an auditory hole I wasn't going to be able to get out of. (laughs) Well, you did.